The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning, Springs Church. I want to welcome each and every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to speak this blessing upon you. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you today. We at the Springs are a congregation that's being transformed into the image of Christ so that anyone can find their way to God. And we do that three ways. We gather in the name of the Father like we do now. We grow in the image of his Son through ministries and different and small groups and connections groups. And we go by the power of his Spirit. And so I want to welcome you if you are here today in person or online, welcome to the Springs. If you're a visitor, we want to get to know you. There is inside the bulletin a little QR code. There's several QR codes, but you'll find the QR code. Scan it. Fill out a little information. We just love to get to know you a little bit better. I also want to give a welcome back to OC students who just started school or classes on Thursday, if you can believe it or not. Welcome back, OC students. If you have friends that aren't here, invite them. I'm planning on getting more of my students to come and at least visit us. So if you're students and you're here, invite your friends. We're in our annual series of the Word of the Lord. And this is a series that Brett and I cherish. One of the reasons that we cherish this series is that we follow in this series uh, the Revised Common Lectionary, which is a tool, a resource for churches around the world where it guides you through Scripture. And one of the ways that, the reason why we love this is because we're not choosing the Scriptures. That this is a real discipline for Brett and I that we're presented with, with a few texts and we have to decide, say, what is this text saying to this congregation at this time? And that's a real useful tool and practice for Brett and I because if you've done any ministry or preached, preachers, we all do this. We all have our favorite books. We all have our favorite texts. We all have our favorite, and we kind of keep going back to those things. Well, this is an opportunity to be presented with something and say that God gives us a word and says, what does this word have to say to the congregation? So as our tradition in this Word of the Lord series, I'm going to read our text today from Hebrews 11. And at the end, I'm going to say there's going to be a slide up that I'm going to say the Word of the Lord and you're invited to respond, thanks be to God. So our text today comes from Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 and 8 through 19. The word of the Lord says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. And by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as his inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for, for a time in the land that he'd been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were their heirs with him, with the same promise. 
For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him, she was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as always, we give you thanks for your word. Thanks be to God for your word. For your word is our life. Whether we feel it or not, you created the world with words. All of this that's in existence comes from your word. And so we give you thanks. And as we give you thanks, we pray for ears to hear, for hearts to follow, for lives and bodies that will obey. God, I ask for the gift of preaching. It's in the name of your word to us, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. The last few days have not gone as I'd hoped for. Earlier in the week, it was fantastic. We were actually on vacation slash we were at Bella Soccer Tournament in San Diego, which was fantastic. But on Wednesday, uh, we were on our way back from San Diego. And we get in the plane and we pull back and then we stop and the pilot comes over and he says, hey, I'm sorry, there's been a mechanical failure on the plane, we're gonna have to go back, we're gonna have to get off the plane, this flight's canceled. That's not what I'd hoped for. So I was with Kim and the kids, and my parents were there as well. And I said, hey, I've got to teach class on Thursday. I've got a lot of stuff to do. I've got to get back. And so I said, okay, well, we can get you on a flight out of San Diego at 10 p.m., and you're going to get into Denver at 1.20, and then you're going to fly out at 5 a.m. So I got to Denver, and I tried to sleep in the airport for a few hours. That's not the night 
of sleep that I'd hoped for. Get on the plane, I get to Oklahoma City, I get all the bags, I go find our car that's in long-term parking, and I drive straight from the airport to Oklahoma Christian, I get on campus at 9 a.m., I teach my first class at 9.30. That's not the start I'd hoped for. To make it even worse, I had to teach two classes that day. I went to coach soccer practice that night, not on much sleep. I thought, okay, I'm going to get a good night's sleep uh, on Thursday night. But as the day goes on, Kim and the kids are flying back from San Diego, and they're going through, rerouted, rerouted to Houston, where their flight from Houston, Oklahoma City, gets canceled. So they have to rebook, and the closest thing they can rebook is to Tulsa. But they're going to get in so late that there's not a rental car, rental car place open. So guess what? I get in my car at 11 p.m., and I drive to Tulsa to pick them up at 12.40 a.m. and get back to my house at 3 a.m. That wasn't the evening that I'd hoped for. And to make matters even worse, yesterday, I have to go pick up Bella from a soccer camp around 11 a.m. So I get in my car about 10.20. And I start backing out of the driveway. And then I stop and I oh, I forgot something. I, it was one of your uniforms we needed to take in. So I ran back inside and I was, in, I was inside for over a minute. Then all of a sudden I hear this crash. And I thought, oh my goodness. Behind our house is a, is a soccer complex and you often hear the dump trucks coming. They've run through our back gate. So I run outside and I look through our back. There's nothing. And then it hits me. Oh, and I run back out to the front. I don't see my car anywhere. I look down the street and then I look towards our house and I see this. That is not the day I was hoping for. Anybody have things they hope for vanish? Here's the one thing that I know about life. And it's just true. Things in life do not always turn out as we hope. Amen? They just don't. But the Hebrew writer says this. He says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. This word assurance of what is hoped for, this word assurance, it actually means something like this. It's the very being of hope. Or you could say, faith is the very being of hope. Or you could also kind of translate it like this. Faith is the very reality of hope. The Hebrew writer sees faith as the very substance of hope. So when you believe and trust in something, Hope happens. That's what he's saying. Actually, this works out in the, the language that I learned in Uganda. The, the, the word for hope in Lusoga is, is okusubiza, which literally means, like if you literally translate it, it means to give someone hope. So, when promises are believed, it gives hope. 
Faith is the very substance of hope. But then he also says this, it's the, the convictions of things not seen. It's the conviction that behind all of these things that we have, that we experience, that we hope for, that there is a source to all of these things. Everything you have, everything you experience, everything you hope for, everything you see, there is a source behind that. And so the Hebrew writer says this is what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. But the Hebrew driver gives us a picture of what that looks like. As simple as that definition is, he gives us a picture of what it looks like. And amongst many kind of heroes of faith that they talk about in Hebrews 11, our text today talks about Abraham. And so it says this beginning at verse 8. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he, he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the, to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. He was promised land. He was promised an heir. And he was promised descendants. He had hope of a promised land that he did not know. He had hope to live in that land and feel at home, but he felt like a foreigner. He had hoped that he would not only have a promised son, but that he would have descendants that were as numerous as the stars and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Which I've just been to the beach. There's a lot of sand. A lot of sand. But what's interesting that I find in this story is in Hebrews eleven thirteen says this. All of these people, including Abraham, were still living by faith when they died. And here's what's crazy. They did not receive the things promised, the Hebrew writer said. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that there were, they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Abraham did not receive the things promised. He only saw them from afar and he welcomed them. He lived as a foreigner in a land that he was promised, but the indication is he never felt at home. He had a son but he did not to see, get to see all those descendants. As numerous as the stars and as countless as the sand on the seashore. But then he brings us to this story, the story of Isaac. 
This is a story that if you've grown up in church or if you're a Christian, you should know this story. And to be fair, this story to our contemporary ears is a little troubling. I'll admit that. Child sacrifice is a little troubling to our contemporary ears. But here's how I want you to hear this story in light of what the Hebrews writer is saying. Okay? It is not Isaac being sacrificed that is the point. Now, there may be other instances where that's the point of this story. But how the Hebrew writer is talking about this, the point is not that Isaac is the sacrifice. Isaac represents something bigger than himself. He represents all of God's promises. And God represents everything that God has promised to Abraham. Future, land, child, descendants. Here's what Isaac represents. Isaac represents all the things that Abraham hopes for. So when you hear this story, don't thank just Isaac. Thank God asking, say, hey, all those, all those promises, all the things you hope for, can you sacrifice them? Can you give them up? He'd hope for a son, and now that hope is at risk. He'd hope for descendants, and now that won't happen. He hoped for land that his ancestors would possess. And without a son and without descendants, it looks like that hope of the land, it's gone too. No son, no descendants, no land, no future. This is not what Abraham had hoped for. Here's what the Hebrew writer wants to tell you. Assurance of hope is not in all the things we hope for. It is in the one who is the source of hope. As crazy as that story is about Abraham being willing to sacrifice his own son, willing to sacrifice all of those promises that you think would give hope, Here's what the Hebrew writer is saying. That assurance of hope for Abraham is not in all the things that, all the things that we hope for. It is in the one who is the source of all our hope. Paul says it this way about the story of Abraham. He talks about this story as well. He says, hoping against hope, Abraham believed that he would become the father of many nations according to what was said, so shall your descendants be. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. I love this word, hoping against hope. I think this is what it means, hope against hope. Hope against hope means that you hope against all the things that you hope for. So for Abraham, it was, he, it was hope in land. He hoped against that. It was a different kind of hope. He hoped for a son. He hoped against that. It was a different kind of hope. That's not what he hoped in. He hoped in descendants, but that's not what he hoped for. He hoped in a future, but that's not what he hoped for. 
It says he was convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. His hope was not in those things. His hope was in the source. It was in God. Assurance of hope is not in all the things that we hope for. It is in the one who is the source of hope. My story of the events of the past few days, of things not going as I'd hoped for, those are real letdowns. When you get a flight canceled, that's not what you hope for. When you have to do an overnight in a hotel, that's not what you hope for. When you have to rush straight from the airport after sleeping in an airport, teach two classes, that's not the start you hope for. And then to go pick up your family who are tired and frustrated too, get back at 3 a.m., that's not what you hope for. And then not in my wildest imaginations did I ever think that my car would be halfway through my garage, nor hope that it would be. Talk about changing your day. But as crazy as all those things are, those things weren't life-changing for me. My car's fine. My wife's not even mad at me. She was like, well, we need a new garage anyway. I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> How about that? But let me tell you this. Here are some life-changing things that we put our hope in that real, bring real moments of despair. When we lose a job, our hope's in that. Loss of relationship, loss of a dream about a future. When your child gets cancer. The death of a spouse or a loved one. These aren't things that you hope for. And these are life-changing. But when we think about all the things that we hope for, and I don't know about you, but I could start naming a bunch of things that I hope for. I think it's human nature to hope for them. For example, we put a lot of hope in our jobs. We put a lot of hope in our careers. A lot of talk about the economy today. It's because we put a lot of hope in it. put a lot of hope in our bank accounts. We put a lot of hope in the activities that we're in, the dreams for our life. We put a lot of hope in our leaders. We put a lot of hope in our politics. We put a lot of hope in our friends. We put a lot of hope in our church. We put hope in our kids and our parents and our spouses and our families. We put hope in our health and our doctors and our technology. We put hope in our very own lives. But I don't know how else to say this. I don't know any other way to say this, but these things cannot sustain hope. 
Because all of these things are going to fail. All of them. Your car may not go through your garage, but there is something that is either happening to you, that has happened to you, or it's coming. And God, God is the only source of our hope. Because God is faithful to the promises even when you can't see them. This is why it's the conviction of things unseen. You may not feel like anything's working out, all that you hope for, but God and his promises are faithful even when you don't receive them immediately or you can't see them. That's what the Hebrew writer wants you to know today. So remember, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And our assurance of hope is not in all the things we hope for. Our assurance of hope is in the one who is the source of all hope. Will you stand and sing with me?